G'day and welcome to the Out of the Saddle podcast. Winter is approaching fast and with that comes rain and it comes cold. Many of you will be dusting off the trusty indoor trader to get your weekly kilometres in. So to learn how to get the most out of your indoor trader, I've got probably Australia's most prolific indoor cyclist, Shane Miller. Welcome to the Out of the Saddle podcast, Shane. Good evening. How are you? Not too bad at all. Not too bad. Excellent. But before we get into indoor training, uh, for those of people who don't know you, I want to talk a bit about you. Mm-hmm. So you're from Melbourne. Yes. I'm not going to hold that against you. <laughs> uh, what brings you to Sydney? Many things, actually. Well, actually, well, I lived here for six weeks, I guess, last year. So I know Sydney a bit, so I don't mind it. So I got an invitation to get from Zwift, who are traveling at the moment doing a roadshow um, in Auckland, which was last night, Sydney tomorrow night, and then back to Melbourne. And I thought, well, you know, they've invited me over to the Auckland leg. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm a free for the Sydney leg as well. So here I am in Sydney. Short little flight, and uh, yeah, I don't mind Sydney. So you, you, you do enjoy it. Do you get a chance to go riding here? And I know you've just been to Athlete Lab, but outside. Uh, right. Well, here's an interesting story, because when my wife, um, she works as a project manager for a large IT company, which we all probably know, which I won't mention, because we won't give them an no extra plug. To. No, yeah. we all know who they but are. But Vaughn's lovely, though. <laughs> She's the boss. So when she moves around, I'm like, I can work from anywhere, as long as I've got an internet connection. So she said last year, um, look, there's some work up in Sydney for six to eight weeks. Might have been three months. I lose count. Of t- I lose track of time. And um, we come up here, and I thought, okay, I'm going to come up, bring my bike, and try and crack the code of Sydney. Because we hear the story, Melbourne's beautiful for riding. Perth's even better. Adelaide, you know, you've got all the beautiful cities. But Sydney, you hear, oh, the roads are a bit... I come up here, I'm like, I'm going to crack this code. I'm going to figure out how to uh, ride around this town, enjoy the place. But I'm not a morning person. Ah, so there was a problem there. I got out for one morning ride, but then I found a loop out at Kernel. Is it? Yes. I got down yeah. past the airport. We were staying in Mascot. Yeah. I found a back road that was parallel to. The I think beach. I watched that. You were doing the Element GPS That's the one. review. That's is it. that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So planes were flying overhead. Yeah. So, and out at Kernel, there, all the um, the triathletes were down there. And as a time trialist at heart, I felt at home by myself with others riding by themselves too. You know what I mean? <laughs> riding by yourself together. Yes. <laughs> So Sydney, that's what brings me to Sydney. The long story short, um, it's a Zwift night tomorrow night, um, and it's perfect timing because the weather's, well, the weather's here's nice today, but tomorrow, who knows? And people will be indoors looking to get a workout done. And, uh, yeah. So we'll get on to the insole stuff in a bit, but you are a, you're a great cyclist outdoors as well, and you have a bit of a racing pedigree behind you. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I guess that helps with what I'm doing at the moment because rather than just coming in new and, you know, who's this guy, you know, what's, what's he know about cycling? I've spent probably 10 years or so. I got into cycling late, 25, 26. Now that is a bit late. But by the time I really hit my straps about 30, that's Masters 1. And I'm like, I can actually be competitive in this Masters 1. So I really went hard racing there. Um, I, I, I didn't accidentally win a time trial. I, I did well in a time trial one day and fell in love with time trialing. I'm like, I could actually do this. So... They say in cycling, train your weaknesses. I trained my strengths. So I got better because I like doing what I, I, sprinters like sprinting, so they train their sprint. They don't like climbing. So one of the coaches said that, train your strengths. Carl Brewer from ABOC Coaching. And um, I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And I really got into time trialing and then losing a bit of weight and time trialing, you can go up a hill. So I did well at the Tour of Bright 2012. I won that in the Masters 1, 2, 3. That's very impressive. That's a tough, that's a tough race. I love that race. That's the one jersey I have. In all my videos, I've got a yellow jersey framed in the corner, and I sit that there because if I'm ever having a bad day, ever having, you know, why am I doing this? I look at that jersey and go, that's why. Yeah, and did that. I won it two years later. I've got another yellow jersey. So, we, you know, we've done some, done some good stuff on the bike, but that one in particular means a lot. So... Race quite a bit. Um, I guess at an elite level, uh, my best was 10th at the Nationals in the time trial in Ballarat. Um, 
Jack Bobridge was 18th that day. I think he was having a very, very bad day, but yeah. I was pretty happy with that. So t- top 10 in the Nationals Elite, um, but I've got 15 age group titles in Australia, 29 state titles. I've done, I've dabbled in everything before I sort of settled to time trialling. I've done tracks, so like pursuits, kilos. Off mm-hmm. the bike, you, you, uh, I found out about you from YouTube, so mm-hmm. I, I'm a big, a big YouTuber. Like, right. As in, I don't do them, I love watching it, I'm very... Passively appreciating YouTube. Excellent. Um, but before that, uh, you had or have uh, a blog. So that started way back because back in 2006, I think when I started cycling, we had to go to a place called Ballyang. No one knows where Ballyang is. I still don't. And it was back in the day where your mate knew where the race was. He'd tell you there was no Google Maps. So how do you go? Who, who knows where Ballyang is? And whenever you drove to Ballyang, which is just south of Bacchus Marsh, if anyone wants to Google that, you'll find it. It's on the map. Whenever we went to the race, you'd see people in their cars driving the other way because everyone was lost. So I started by thinking, hang on, where's the maps for these races? Where's the race report from last year that I can read and find out how someone got there and what's that experience and put a few photos up? So the blog started from there back in 2006, 2007. And that would have been like with just a website, wasn't it? Like, because like, you didn't have your Facebook. Blogger. It's, it's, so now, easy, it's so easy to start something now. But. Now, there's a certain person I was racing against in, and I'll get to his name in a second. Someone might grab it on the way, the story. I'm riding up a hill, and this guy called Wade was riding next to me. And we both started a blog at the same time. And he was talking about, he was doing tips. Yeah. Cycling tips. And this guy called Wade rides up next to me and goes, hey, Shane, how are you doing with this Canadian accent? I'm like, hey, Wade, I'll read your blog. And he's like, really? Oh, and he's like, I'll read yours as well. And we sort of, I mean, we've gone on different paths yeah. entirely. Yeah. But we started about the same time. Um, and he's just gone, I mean, we've seen what Cycling Tips has become. It's huge. It's huge, yeah. It's huge, yeah. Um, so I started sort of back then just as a personal thing. Um, and I just kept it personal and it turned into time trials, which was all focused. So I was doing reports every race I did. I'd give a breakdown, I'd give a, a few photos to open up what the race was. Um, races like the Hell of the West, which starts at Ballyang, I sort of opened up on my blog and showed people what it was about. So next year, when the time came around, people knew what it was about, knew what to expect, opened up the world of cycling because one thing cycling at a club level didn't really do back in the day was use social media very well or websites or Facebook. Well, there's no Facebook back then. So it's sort of, that's where it started. And I continued to do that for 10 years. So I was always putting blog posts up and getting good readership, um, but video these days, oof, phenomenal. Everyone has a video player in their pocket. So, so that, that's where I'm going next. Mm-hmm. You, you've sort of transitioned. You haven't backed away entirely from the vlog, uh, from the blog, the it's, website. It's still there. It's still there, <laughs> but you're very active on YouTube, and you you did. Um, it was a, it was you did a, a trial week for about a month. You did daily vlogs to mm-hmm. see to see what it was like. Can you mm-hmm. tell me a bit about that? Well, I started off. Well, I'm a good friend with uh, Mark Ferguson, the Maven. Uh, Cycling Maven. We're all from we're all from Melbourne. So, uh, and he encouraged me get a video camera, Shane. Get a video because we went away for a weekend, and I, I I said I'll put a drone shot up here and do this and do this. And he was having we had a great weekend away. He's like, you should do some stuff. Yeah, do it in your own angle. But I didn't want to step on Maven's toes. Yeah, I didn't want to do uh, yeah two cycling bald. Middle-aged dudes from Melbourne doing the same content. I was conscious of that, and I don't want to like ruffle any feathers in that respect. Maven's like, no, no, do it, do it. So he dragged me down. I think he did a video and dragging me down and buying the camera that I still use today. I do remember that one. Yes. Um, and we just, yeah, it, we just started off with um, we did a few things together as well on the channel. And I think Maven's shout out for me made it like just took my channel off. Yeah. And 
then I started like I was doing the daily because that's what YouTubers do. Yeah. You know, sort of here's a Casey Neistat. Here's what I'm doing. Here's my coffee. Here's and I've been anti. Here's my coffee videos lately, but my video that's going up in about five minutes has a coffee pouring in it. So forgive me for that. <laughs> There's a time and a place. But the daily was um, it was good, but some, but it was I, an experiment, wasn't it? You, you, it? Yeah, it was to see to see if I was interesting. I guess if I could come up with interesting content and somebody called PF. I, I credit him for this. He's like, Shane, look, we love your work, but you're not that interesting. What you do is turn the camera the other way. Tell us about what's going on. Don't make it about yourself. You're, you know, don't make yourself interesting. Just talk about it. And I'm like, that's a good point. I think he's an engineer. And I'm like, ah, right. So you want to see the tech stuff. And I went to Eurobike, but came back. I had a really bad day on the bike. I'm like, you know, that's it. That's it for this. It's hard. I've got to get home and edit this video for the daily and show you what it's all it's about. A lot of work. Try, and, try and smile all the time. Um, and try and make it positive because if you put something negative up, it's a it's a bad thing. You know, you try and show the nuts and bolts, but keep it happy. And it, there's a stress to it. So I yeah. stopped for a week, and I'm like, oh, what do I do? Do I continue this? And people are sending me messages. Are you okay? I'm like, you've disappeared from my feed. Yeah. yeah. So I I thought, okay, yeah, I do. But then I'm like trying to find my spot, find my groove of where it's at. And again, um, well, DC Rainmaker does a lot of the stuff that I do. And I'm like, well, I don't want to step on his toes either. So I'm, I don't want to cause any ruffling feathers. But then I sort of found this groove of the trainer unboxing stuff. Yeah. Worked really well. And it's just your average, I'm just the average Joe. Unboxing stuff, making mistakes as I'm building things. And throwing People manuals away. Because who, who reads a manual? Who reads a manual? No one. Especially not men. Yeah. Spot on. So you should be able to, like technology these days should be intuitive enough that you just unbox it and it works and it's a great experience. And that's what we're sold. So I've got my formula that I use, which is not even written down, I guess, but it's just a turn the camera on and let's just go through this stuff and see how it goes. And that's worked really well for the trainer manufacturers as well. So I've become a what I call a subject matter expert in indoor trainers. Yep. Um, and the tech background helps me debug and diagnose a lot of that. Um, I'm on most of the beta groups now for the uh, these companies who make the trainers, and they want some feedback. Um, and that's just opening doors like nothing else. Well, it got me to Eurobike last year with Swift. So that overlay between your your love and, and history in cycling and your interest of, in tech, because you're a self-confessed mm-hmm. tech and internet geek. Oh, hell yeah. 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 So that overlay, has that brought you into, into indoor cycling, you think? For sure. Well, I've, I'm, when the kicker first came out, when Wahoo brought out the kicker, I've been, I'd been training indoors for years. Now, I started off with, if everyone knows Coach Troy, now think of a dude in tracksuit pants with a whistle, and the tracksuit pants are pulled up nice and high. Real geeky dude. Troy Jacobson, I love the guy. though. He's still around these days. He, he had these DVD videos that I collected off eBay. I bid on eBay and get these videos and do these workouts. I love them. Collected about 36 of those. So I was training indoors on all these trainers and loving the indoor trainer because that and time, time trialing. Especially if you live in a city, you need 20 minute efforts, you know, sustained 20 minute efforts. You it's can't difficult, find. yeah. So that's why I've that's always what done. for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've done uh, all the indoor stuff for ages and ages, then the kicker came out and it was the next best thing, the next biggest thing. It was going to be, you know, the, the game changer. I jumped on and I went, it's not. The software is no, like, what's going on here? I, I hated erg mode where it held you at the watts. Yeah. Like, that's not natural. I've got to hold the watts outdoors. Yeah. But I knew the potential of the kicker. And I was waiting and I held on to it. And I was literally two weeks off selling the kicker. So two years down the track after the kicker was out. So I'm what like, year did it come out? Uh, 2013. Yeah. Early 2013. My anti-ID, usually the anti-ID indicates how old your kicker is. It's 66. And now they're up to, I think I've got an anti-ID of 17,000 on my other one. So they've got a few units out there. So 
I had a really early model. It was one of the first ones out there because I, I knew the potential of this technology. And with my internet background, I'm, like, I'm thinking, well, we're going to be able to race each other one day on this and race people all around the world. And I didn't have the technology or the programming background to make something like that. People were tinkering around with third-party software, but then Zwift came out in beta. And that day it came out, I'm like, hang on, this changes resistance for me. I'm racing people all around the world, and I got slain on. So slain had a kicker as well because we're both, we both trained together like Batman and Robin and raced together all over. So we had the same tech, very much similar interests. I said to slain, jump on Zwift you, log in. I want to race you around this course. So he jumps on. I was like, oh, what's this? This is just a toy. This is another game. He's, he's right into it. I mean, he's a doctor of science and, and sports medicine and physiology, actually. That's the one. And uh, we raced each other flat out, and he had me on the hill by about five seconds, and then I caught him over the top and then, and then got him in the sprint, which is exactly how we trained about two days prior over a similar course. I'm like, this So you're impressed with the, like, the, the realism that came with it? Like they've got it right. Yeah. I'm like, the potential of this. And I wrote my blog post about that probably within two weeks, yeah. saying oh, this, the potential of this is unbelievable. They're going to be able to do this, 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 group rides, race. This is going to be – I just saw the – potential of this platform and uh, I think about a month ago I revisited that blog post with a video saying how close was I or how close or where have they gone and they'd succeeded in most areas they've surpassed in some and failed in others yeah but I saw the potential of that and that just got me hooked so, like it's so, so going back a bit what do you think was the was the thing that that sort of made indoor training come as something you do because it's rain and because it's cold or winter or but now because it's good for you and it's good for training. What what did it? Well, it's taken a while. So as in it become an option for riding a bike. Yeah, like rather than just training. Yeah, because like as in people do it now even if it's sunny outside. Yeah, yeah. Whereas previously people did it because it was raining and it was it was it was the sort of fallback for yeah. riding outdoors. It's a combination of a few things that I see. Uh, the rise and rise of social media. So which has given uh, birth to the communities now because everyone wants to belong to a tribe. Yeah. Rafa Cycling Club, you've got your, your normal cycling clubs. Sufferfest had the um, Sufferlandrian group. If you did 10 Sufferfest videos in a row over 10 hours or whatever that was, we've done that as well, and that was hectic. Big day. You, know, you become part of a group, and social media allows you to post that effort online and get sort of, I guess, kudos yeah. or encouragement from others and show, look, this is what I've done. It's not, it's not sort of bragging rights, I guess, but it sort of incentivizes people to go out and do something special. And so if someone goes and ride, it used to be you ride indoors and you hit stop on your, your polar watch because that's all we had. And that was it. You sort of, now you've got Strava and you can show people what, what, we, what you've done. So it's changed training from a tool into a social experience. And then Zwift has come along and made a virtual community you can ride with interactively. So it's all these things that have just sort of lined up really, really well, and it's good timing. And I think, the, I think there was a, a, a market there for it, and they've just sort of filled a void. And now people are doing group rides. We saw the other night the Hump Day ride organised by Tim Searle in Australia, 380 people on the start line on a Wednesday night for a ride. And they're real people. Sitting, it's, so cra- it's crazy. 380 people trained together. You don't get that outdoors. Melbourne's Hell Ride, maybe 100, maybe 150 on a busy, busy you know, sunny day. This is twice the size of the hell ride. And uh, international is joining it as well. So the sense of community, and then everybody has an experience. You don't just train now. I did, you know, it used to be five by fives indoors, two by twenties, get off and go about my day. Now I have a, I raced you, or I dropped you here, or we did this, hey, I met you up here, or I led you out for the sprint. It's just, it's, it's a game changer entirely. 
So, do you th- what, what could an average Joe get get out of it? Like, I, I get the community thing, but mm-hmm. is there something they can get out of it that they can then then translate onto the road for their Sunday weekend ride? Like, what what, what can Zwift what <sighs> deliver for you there? Here's an interesting one because a lot of people are saying Zwift are making dangerous races or you know teaching people bad habits. Well, it's not teaching them bad habits. You still have to. There's a balance. I mean, if you learn to sprint on an indoor trainer, which is straight up and down, you won't be able to sprint very well out on the road because it's a different technique altogether. So I guess people have to be aware of that. Um, the fitness it provides, let me think about this one. A lot of the times people will stick to habit. So for me, five by fives, five minutes on, five minutes off, five minutes on, and I just raise the watts if I want it a bit harder or, or two by 20s indoors for some stuff. That's it. But that gets me to a certain level and uh, I plateau with training. And we're creatures of habit. We'll get on and do the same workouts all the time. Having Zwift or something like that, which is a little bit random, we'll, and what we, you know, what we need to break out of that is more stimulus, more harder workouts or different workouts so we can break through and get to the next step or the next level of fitness. Um, what we're finding with Zwift racing is exactly that. People are attacking early in the race, which you never usually do. No. You sort of wait. Then they get to another level and they'd be suffering and they'd be doing power PBs. And a lot of people will finish their first Zwift race and it says, you've got a new FTP because you've gone harder than you ever have before for 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's how it that's sort of averages. Yeah. So it's this element of randomness and then it forces people to do better training or harder training. Not a lot of people will overtrain. A lot of people will sort of undertrain, but you can just, yeah, it just adds an element of external stimulus, I guess. It's like having a coach on your back whipping you. Go harder, go harder. If you've got a real person there attacking you, or if we're an Aussie on there and there's a New Zealander trying to drop your wheel, yeah, that's not going to happen. What's going to be the future of, of indoor training? You said you did uh, a, a blog about it a, a yeah. few years back to sort of see where it's going. From here going forward, what, what, is it going to get bigger um, and could it potentially replace riding outdoors? It will never, it will never replace riding outdoors. The technology is good and okay, but there's nothing like flying, like riding up a mountain all day. Um, back home, we've got uh, Mount Hotham, Buffalo, but flying down that mountain, you feel alive. Like it's good indoors, and you have to whack it in the fifty-three eleven and fly down a mountain. But that element, you, we need that element of yeah, excitement and fun and risk and the wind in our hair. I've said it a few times, but I haven't got any hair, but the you can still feel the wind though. Yeah, the wind. You can still feel the wind exactly. So they'll never replace that. It's just become the way I look at it. It's just become another option to ride. People have got a CX bike now. They're going to do cross races. They get a mountain bike for weekends. Now we just, oh, there's online there. That's another option as well. So I can race a hard crit on Wednesday when there's no crits racing, you know. If it's raining, jump it's on it. It's out. just another yeah. option of riding. Where it heads, though, is going to be a really interesting one. Whether they stay with the, well, there's two two ways I look at that. VR with the headset. I've used Zwift in the headset mode with the Oculus. Was that the, the Taipei? Was that or where uh, was Eurobike. Eurobike, yep. That was I was unable to explain the experience of it because I looked down, I could see my own legs and I could see my own arms and look around and it was fully immersive. So it, does this use that, uh, that augmentation thing as well, like, uh, like, like Pokemon Go was? Or no, was, this, uh, this was true VR. Augmented yeah. reality will add to your existing environment. This, yeah. this would replace your environment. Right, I was okay. in a little tiny, it was a little tent at Eurobike. And it was dark. and But here I was on a tropical island. I was on Watopia. And I was lost. It was unbelievable. I was wow. just... The tech is still developing. But what I think... Well, the, the issues they see is overheating, obviously. But I think if we see the Xbox and PlayStation and all that, do all the dev and do all that work. So those that market will sort of really bring up the tech in that area. And then sports will just adopt that. But... So that's the VR side of things. 
But as we see with things like Fullgaz, um, Kinomap, and other video-based things as well, when we get 360, full HD, 60 FPS, and we're going to be able to put headsets on people that they'll be able to do a triathlon and put their head down and see the element, the landmarks go past them and feel the hills and be there. That course of immersiveness from video, it's never there. It's not there yet. It's a long way to go with 360 cameras. I see that as being the next biggest thing um, for for that market. Whether they can then adapt that to the virtual worlds for something like Swift, I don't know. Uh, whether they keep that more sort of gaming and cartoon-like. But I'm really keen to see where the video tech goes for those uh, the full immersiveness. But, yeah, the headsets tech, it's going to have to come a long way. I've got two more topics, yep. and then we've also got the Fast Five, which <laughs> people know about the Fast Five. How, but I want to ask you a quick quick one. Well, this has got nothing to do with cycling, but because you're a tech nut, I want to ask you about yep. So we've got YouTube, we've got Netflix, we've got mm-hmm. Stan, mm-hmm. free-to-air television. Mm-hmm. How far is free-to-air television off dying? Because like uh, me as a 29-year-old person, I watch if my football team is playing, mm-hmm. I watch them. Right. If, because I follow Adelaide, I'm in Sydney, so that's every month, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yep. I don't watch free-to-air television, otherwise I watch everything on YouTube or, or Netflix. Is that is that common, you think, or is, is free-to-air closer to dying than, or further away than I think it is? Or That's a very interesting question. I'm all on demand as well, being from the YouTube generation. Or the, I'm on demand. I want to choose when I watch something. I don't want something else to choose for me. Appointment viewing, is it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, all the channels now have their apps to go on demand. But I do watch the news. Yeah. Well, I always watch the news because that's something. So I think that's the key market for free to wear. Um, and there's oh, obviously the sporting stuff. But we've seen no Giro this year. No Giro. Like, no Giro. So Unbelievable. So whilst I want to support free to wear, it's not supporting us as what we want. It's, it's, it's not providing yeah. what we want to watch. Yeah. Which is not, I mean, that's out of SBS's hands, obviously, with the whoever's behind the. Well, I, I, I think they got outbid by Eurosport, wasn't it? Or like, yeah. I'm not sure of the politics. Yeah. I know as a fan, I was disappointed because it was last, depot, last that, year was coverage was sensational. Last year was unbelievable. Last year was the first year that we watched a three week tour, like we do the actual, you know, tour de France. Yeah. We stayed up all night, watched that. We were invested in it. Now it's like we've got to find a stream and watch this, and it cuts out, and then we've. Or Eurosport, which I don't have, because again, I don't want to pay for the content. I want on demand, and I don't want to have to subscribe to something that I mightn't watch for the rest of the year or for the rest of the month. But we're not. So uh, I'm staying on this, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. if everyone's interested, but I am. So no, no. I'm going to go with it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so NFL, you can buy the NFL Live Pass, right? Which gets you every single game of the NFL for the whole season, mm-hmm. and that's in addition to the network deals. We could be onto that for AFL, for NRL, for cycling, for anything soon, which should completely bypass free to wear. Like I think, like is that is that a factor? See, they'd have my subscription for that. If I could buy in just that and that only, I'm in. Yeah. So it's about, I guess, yeah. But we've never been given that in Australia. We've been just fed broadcast television. That's it. So even uh, your Foxtels and your Optus Visions and all that, I think they, they still struggle. Um, I'm from the country as well, so we had we grew up with two television stations. When it became 24 hours and we had five stations, I thought I'll never sleep. So <laughs> I think that last, changed. I think yeah. I lost it one night. I'm like, this television at 3 a.m. is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You love Strava. Am I right? I'm, well, Strava took my llama shirts offline the other day due to a copyright violation on the font. So the t-shirt that I'm wearing now, which your listeners can't see, 
You cannot. Well, it's like. it's it's Lama, which is GP Lama, which is your nickname. Yes. Can you give us a quick background on that as well? I forgot to ask. Yep, a uh, high school nickname. Really? Some crazy kid in year eight was yelling out God's pet llama. I don't know what or why, and he was this, this crazy. I'm like. God's pet llama, as in God's pet llama with one hour as in Delai llama. I'm like, I tried to look for meaning in that, so I've scratched it into the desk. God's pet llama. I'm like, what? Like Tyson. Tyson Rushheim was the guy's name. Crazy kid. Awesome guy. I'm like... I hope he's listening. I'm like, Tyson, what is that? He's like, it was just into Megadeth and just into like, you know, all the hardcore metal. And he just come out with this lyric or line of God's pet llama. I couldn't make sense. So I just kept scratching it into desks and that got down to GP llama. And I just kept doing GP Lama, GP Lama. Um, and then by the time I think it was Hotmail came around or GeoCities or something came it was a username. Yeah. Well, I, and IRC, I was using a different one on IRC back in the days, but I'm like, oh, GP Lama, I'll just keep with that. So it was a unique username that's just hung around. Stuck around. And then it shortened to just Lama, which is fine. And then it's, everyone tags me in alpaca pictures. But I love alpacas as well. So Lamas, but it was the Dalai Lama. People can't tell the difference, I don't think. Double <laughs> L and it's late. So it's, it's just anything Lama. So all my advertising are Lamas or alpacas. And it's a theme that's just stuck with me for years. So that's where that comes from. Yeah. So Strava. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's pretty much got the social media market for for sports cornered, or are you counting Swift as as that sort of? No, no, no. Strava, as I see it, well, Kleenex have the tissue market wrapped up. Xerox have the photocopier market wrapped up. So when you're in America, I think you Xerox something, you don't photocopy something. Yeah. And here, yeah, if you've got a tissue, you, it's it's a you, you get a Kleenex. It's Strava is that for sport and activity. Yeah. So it is the. There's, I mean, it's Garmin Connect. There's, I mean, there's the personal stuff you can do with Golden Tutor and there's Training Peaks and there's Today's Plan. There's all this other stuff you can grab and collect data. Strava has absolutely everything covered. And I, I go hard on Strava. The data videos that I do out of Strava, yep. um, I find fascinating. The extraction I can get for the device types. And even last night, I was actually refining some of my um, command line stuff so I can get devices about... So who run a certain pace? What device do they use? The quicker people, what devices do they oh, use? Oh, wow. And so for background, uh, for big events, uh, Shane often gives a breakdown of what Strava, what, so what device you use for Strava, how many males and females did the event, for example. And who has Strava Premium. See, they don't want to give you that information. Via the API, you can query stuff, and they limit what you can get from the API. I've got other methods and ways that aren't, I don't think it breaks terms of service, but they haven't shut me off just yet. So for the Boston Marathon, for the London Marathon, I can see what watches people used. And someone actually used a Garmin 510. And, oh. and I actually queried the, the runner, and it was a lady runner, and I said, oh, how did you mount your 510? Did you actually put it on? And she's like, oh, I just put it in my pocket. How phenomenal is that? She's supposed to track it. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting in Melbourne just doing a few API queries, and I was able to contact a person about this and talk to her about the solution she used at a marathon on the other side of the world. I'm still, this still surprises me. Just, I'm still blown away by this tech. Um, but the Strava stuff's really interesting. Really, really interesting. Um, can, can you see it being toppled? Like, as you see something no, else coming up? No, not at all. It has, it has the mark. It has, it's just sucked up everyone like a huge vacuum. Yeah. They still, uh, I went pretty hard. I've got 13,000 followers, I think, on Strava. So my kudos goes nuts. And a lot of people are like, what? You got that, this much kudos for whatever? But I try and put it, an interesting name. Um, I try and put photos up as well to share the experience. And 
especially the Vegas stuff did well because people didn't know Red Rock yeah. and how good the writing was yeah. in Vegas. So I wanted to put up all those photos, which is really good to be able to share that. But you're active as well going outwards. So you, you also, you look what's happening, you like people's thing, you go to events and see what people oh, are doing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. If someone's done, say, um, the Three Peaks yeah. in Victoria, I'll go through and make sure they're all kudos. I've got a kudos from Three Peaks. Peaks. There, there we go. go. Yeah. yeah. So, so I probably sucked your data down as well. So I'll probably that's profile okay. you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the lower quartile of it, I think. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I can look at things like, so I'm looking at, um, you know, crafting a few of my scripts and um, little things that I have running on there to see, yeah, what devices the fast people use, what devices the middle you know, bracket use, what's, and that goes for running in any segments, and there's a few cool things. So Strava, the poten- again, the potential, talking like that I saw with Zwift, Strava still has a ton of potential that hasn't been unlocked, but they don't, I guess, want it to be just another social network. Because that's the last thing we want to do is start posting. They were going to do a feed change on Strava. They, 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 they do limit, uh, as in like a uh, like an algorithm Correct. feed, not a chronological one. They announced that a couple of weeks back. We haven't seen it yet. Wow. And the feedback on that was like people were like, don't you dare make this another Instagram or Twitter. You know how Twitter these days? You go well, through, it's not chronological anymore. No, it's, it's not. It's top tweets and whatever's trending. And, um, and it's the same with Instagram. Instagram used to be chronological probably yep. 12, 18 months ago, and it's now... So they announced they were going to do that on Strava. We haven't seen it yet. But what I'm concerned about with my stuff is that if I've got, you know, say 1,200 kudos for a ride that I do with some photos, I don't want to be annoying to people that I did. Hey, look, I did two Zwift rides in one day. That's that's annoying. Or it can be. So they're going to have to be really careful and crafty of how they do that. Um, I'm expecting the the Strava groups are interesting. And the the sort of the The clubs. The clubs. Yeah. yeah. But... The discussion really isn't there. There's I no... don't think it's there. I've never used one. Yeah. Uh, somebody posted on the... I've got the Llama Army. I had to start one just because I didn't want to miss the boat. And no, I wanted, yeah. you know, so I've got the Llama Army for all my followers on there that can just join in and see who's doing what. Yeah. Um, someone started a discussion the other day. We weren't even notified there was a discussion there. They've asked a question. I had to manually go and So I... Uh, okay. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but for me, it is the number one spot. I just think everything to Strava. Yeah. It's just handy. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It just works. It's so simple. Everyone's on it. Yeah. Before I let you go, mm-hmm. uh, there's five questions I ask every guest on the podcast. They're awesome. Called, they're called five, the Fast Five. They're yep. very simple. Um, are you ready? Go for it. What coffee do you drink? All of them. Except, <laughs> except American coffee, if you see my videos on that. No, I haven't. But I've had even even European coffee in a recent trip, and it was compared to Australia, it just doesn't. Yeah, oh, I, I struggled in a few of my videos. I, I searched for coffee, searched for good coffee, and somebody commented, all you do is complain about our coffee. I'm like, no, no, it's the hunt for good coffee. It's the challenge. It's, the uh, the challenge. it's strong skinny latte. Strong skinny latte. Uh, do you watch pro cycling? Uh, not as much as I should. The exciting parts, yes. So you're going to watch tonight's stage of the Giro's? Oh, phenomenal. Yes, absolutely. I'm invested in it, though, because I've done that ride from Bormio to the top of the Stelvio. We did that last year. And so, do you, do you find that when you've done a uh, a particular section of road, it's it's better to watch it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know it. You know the corners, and you know how steep it actually is because the television can never show how steep it is or how far something is. Like you'll see the pros, like you're like, why are they going so slow? Yeah, it's twenty percent. Yeah. Um, and the Stelvio, the switchbacks at the top. Uh, yeah, I can't. And they'll go past the cows in the field, and I've ridden past those cows. I'm like, I know that cow. I've moved at those cows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your dream event to attend or compete in? Well, tour, uh, tour of Bright, I'll go back to that. You go back to that? Yeah, at an amateur level, Tour of Bright, it had everything. It had a time trial, it had a hill stage, and we had to get up the next morning and race to the top of Mount Hotham. 
Mount Holly, have you done Mount Holly before? Yes, they did it at peaks. They, oh, sorry, yeah. you did three peaks. Yes, yeah. so you know the corner, 400 metres, super, super steep, yeah. and there's one sign on the left that says 30k to go. And that's after it was super, super steep. So that's just, I remember that vividly because someone was attacking at that point where I had to protect GC. That event, yeah, I can recall my races there. I just, yeah, tour, I love Tour of Bright. And it's also home as well. It is. Sorry. We train up there all the time. And, and we've gone back and ridden the course slowly and enjoyed the view. And it's been brilliant. Yeah. I rode it slowly, but it's also the fastest I could go, so I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so what was your first bike? And I don't mean a tricycle. I mm-hmm. mean, what was your first road bike? A giant OCR1. Have you still got it? Uh, no, Slane has it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got, well, I still, I've got the frame. It was the wrong size because I went to the, just. I think everyone's first bike is the wrong size. Yes. And, and the guy just told me, like, yeah, whatever, mate, that'll work. And I remember that night getting home, I'm like, it doesn't feel right. And the stem was too long. I, I ended up you know, getting it fitted properly to me, but it was a horrible experience when I bought my, bought my first road bike. But yeah, giant OCR1, um, nine speed 105 with Shimano pedals. So I've always been a Shimano pedal person. Oh, right. That's not bad. That's not bad. Now, last one, your proudest moment in cycling. Ah, oh, Well, I've got to say, proposing to Vaughn during a, a triathlon bike leg and then still winning that bike leg, because I said, you've got to give me an answer. I pulled over at the Horsham Triathlon. I said, be there at the side of the road, and uh, I need a bottle of water because today's going to be 36 degrees, so I'm going to ride out, ride back, three laps of the course, pull it, have a bottle of water. I zoomed in, put the brakes on, proposed... And she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, well, I need an answer because I've got to go win this thing. And she's like, yes. I'm like, great. Drop the, just, I was still in TT helmet, skin suit, still on the top, top, on the top tube. I was doing a froomey on the top tube, proposed to Vaughn, and then went and won the race. Um, and the next day on the back of the paper, we got more coverage of the event itself. Um, that's probably the most proudest moment because I uh, started a race, um, a single guy. Oh, yeah, de facto, I guess you'd call it. And, uh, yeah, and finished the race engaged. And I still won. I was that, happy with that. That's epic. And you've just raised the bar. <laughs> and, uh, my, my girlfriend's going to be like, looking at me going, you can do something similar. I've so thanks very good, much. I've heard some good stories. And if you want another YouTuber to look at, look at the vegan cyclist. And he tell, he had a story about he propo- how he proposed to his wife the other week as well. And it was pretty special. I'll, 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 I'll keep it away from Laura. <laughs> yeah. I'll, but I'll let the listeners, uh, yeah, go and find that themselves. It's a really good story. Shane Miller, thank you very much for getting out of the saddle with me. No worries. Thanks, mate. Cheers. So that's it for another episode of the Out of the Saddle podcast. I just want to say a big thank you to Shane Miller. He was on a whirlwind tour of Sydney. He was here for a very few hours, and he gave a couple of them up just to hang out with me and hang out with you guys. So thanks so much, Shane. Now, I'm going to give the normal spiel where I say register, subscribe, check me out on Facebook, check me out on Instagram. I was at the pub the other day with a couple of mates from the cycling club who listened to listened to the uh, listened to this podcast, and I didn't even know you could subscribe. So I don't know if I'm not saying it enough, but subscribe. If you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, you get every episode in your inbox. We don't have to do anything yourself. You get it before everyone else. So subscribe, and it'll be there every time. Thanks very much. Thanks for getting out of the saddle with me. Super control freak And I'll make it look so sweet But I lost control of myself I lost control of myself Never a man to defeat Always trying to compete But I just defeated myself Just defeated myself Oh, oh, how the mighty have fallen Oh, what an end to the story